Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the 360 Experience podcast and my conversation with Barbara Shrihans. Now, gang, this is going to be an incredibly impactful episode on so many levels. Right out of the gate, what I want to make sure that you understand is that there are going to be seven very specific powerful tax strategies that Barbara is going to share with you during this conversation that is going to have a significant financial impact. Now, Barbara has more than 50% of her clients in the real estate and mortgage field. So she is incredibly knowledgeable in the space and knows exactly the types of things that you need to be hearing if you're a mortgage professional as a real estate agent. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about Barbara, but before I do, what I want to share is that there are a couple of incredibly powerful tips and suggestions about retirement accounts and the importance of understanding your numbers and managing your business by your numbers through having a bookkeeper. That is going to be something that you're going to absolutely want to understand in great depth. I mean, she really blew me away in this conversation. Now, Barbara is... Um, the CEO and founder of Your Tax Coach. She's the creator of Write Off Your Life. And she is also the host of an incredibly successful podcast called Life Changing Money Podcast, which I was fortunate enough to be a guest on um, back about nine months ago. She's a dynamic speaker. She has an incredible story that we're going to start our conversation off with that's going to be incredibly inspiring. And then we're going to dive directly into the benefits of being able to understand the tax laws and leverage them to bring more money to your bottom line in so many ways, including you know, how to really leverage uh, the home office write-off expenses, um, how to take advantage of, as I said, retirement account tax deductibility, et cetera. So uh, before I get into my conversation with Barbara, I just want to remind you, as always, please, if you like this episode of the 360 Experience, give us a like if you're watching it on YouTube forward it on to somebody, make sure you're sharing it with people. The more people that we have as subscribers to the 360 experience, uh, of course, the more great guests like Barbara Shrihans that I can get on the show. So subscribe if you're not subscribed, forward it on, tell people about it. I think that you're going to find this episode to be really dynamic and make sure that you listen to the entire thing. And without further ado, my conversation with Barbara Shrihans. Well, hello there, Barbara. How are you? Hello. I so am well. How are you? Good, good. It's so nice to have you. And sorry for the long period of time that it took for me to reciprocate this conversation. You were kind enough to have <laughs> me on your show. Um, geez, a long time ago now, probably nine months ago. Um, mm -hmm. And thank you for the sweatshirt, by the way. It's actually a super cool, super high quality sweatshirt. That was nice of you to send that to me. Yeah, of course. I, I had to try them first. We got like samples of sweatshirts and we picked the softest ones that we could find. <laughs> oh, they're cool. It's close to Aviator Nation quality. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you know that brand. So right now, let's, Love it. let's dive in. Now we're going to talk a lot today about the practical, tactical tax stuff that will be incredibly valuable to everyone who's listening because we're going to dive into um, you know, ways to save money, which I think is everybody's favorite topic. But before we do, I want to, I want everybody to get to know you a little bit. I want to get to know you a little bit better. Tell me a story about something that happened in your life that you think has been you know, hugely impactful and pivotal on the direction that you've taken as such a successful entrepreneur. I mean, you, you're, you're doing quite well and congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Yeah. I feel like my entire childhood would probably be 
a story in and of itself. Um, and I think a lot of really successful entrepreneurs probably have a similar story of just like overcoming hardships. I think that's what makes us be able to get through the hard days in entrepreneurship and business ownership. But growing up, we, we grew up in a really bad part of LA and my parents are drug addicts mm. and they still are to this day. Mm. Um, and you know, I remember like my very first story, if you've ever done an exercise where someone's like, what's the furthest memory back that you can think of? It's really interesting to try to see like mm -hmm. how far back your brain can go. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, my first earliest, earliest memory that I can think of is my mom stuffing me in a dresser drawer. And so I must have been small enough, right, to like fit into a dresser drawer. And it was because my dad had like come home and he was in like a rage from either alcohol or drugs or something. And she was trying to hide me in my bedroom. And I remember her like moving furniture in front of the drawer or in front of the door so that my dad couldn't come inside. And if that's just like any sign of how the rest of my childhood went, you know, it was always just like them fighting and hiding from my dad, just being like a crazy person when he was really high or drunk. Um, and, you know, both of my parents throughout childhood kind of had their ups and downs and addictions that they went through. And so then, of course, I feel like a lot of children of parents that are addicts kind of go through their own, you know, rebellious stage. And um, I didn't have the best role models. And so I too was like a crazy teenager. Um, like I remember drinking at 12 and like stealing my mom's weed and at like 12, right? Like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Um, so I feel like I got my party stage out of my system a lot younger than probably a lot of people. But when I was 15, my really good girlfriend was like, Hey, I met these like college boys and they invited us over to their house. We should go. And I'm like, okay. Um, so of course we told our moms that we were staying the night at each other's houses when we weren't. And, um, we go to this guy's house who I think, you know, they were probably like 19, 20, 21, we were 15. And I remember having one beer and the next thing I knew, I woke up the next morning and I knew something bad had happened. I couldn't remember the full story, but throughout the years, like bits, more and more pieces have like kind of come back. And what I know to have happened was I had that one beer and I remember walking upstairs to the bathroom. They only had one bathroom and it was at the top of the stairs. And I walk in and a guy walks in behind me 
and smashes my head against the wall. And I like pass out into the bathtub. And then I remember coming to a little bit in the middle of the night and I'm in a bedroom and I wake up to four guys on top of me, one holding each arm and one holding my legs and one on top of me. And I won't go into many more details of that, but I remember waking up and like the silver lining of it all was I had to go to the hospital and, you know, until that point when the doctor came in, I didn't put words to what had happened, but you know, the doctor comes in and was like, you were raped and we have to, um, the police have to come cause that's part of their procedure and you should probably tell your parents, but they didn't make you tell your parents. And they also make you take, they called it the cocktail. Um, but it's like, if you're, if you could have been exposed to like HIV or any sort of like STDs, you take this like crazy cocktail that's supposed to like 80%, you know, make you not have it or something like that. So I take this thing, it makes you really sick. And they also run blood tests and like all kinds of other things after that happens. And the doctor comes back in again and says, you have cancer. And if I wouldn't have had that situation happen, I would have never been at the doctor. And who knows, like, if I'd be here today, right? because I was able to get treated a lot faster. Um, and so even though it was like a terrible situation, I still see like just amazing silver lining with that. And it also kind of changed the trajectory of my life. Like I was 15, like partying and, you know, doing things I shouldn't have been doing. And after that, I was like, I need to get my shit together. And you know, not end up like my parents. And so I ended up graduating early from high school. I graduated at 16 and started going to college at 16. And um, I went to community college at 16 because you can't go to regular, you know, university at 18. And then kind of took a while to figure out what I wanted to do from 16 to 20. I was in community school, but I got like five AA degrees just because I didn't know what I wanted to do and transferred to university. I was a business major and got pregnant my junior year of college. I was married at the time, which that's its whole other story, but I was, I got pregnant my junior year and I went to my career counselor and I was like, I'm pregnant. What is like the one major that I should major in that like a hundred percent on the day I graduate, I'm going to have a job. And they were like accounting. And I was like, Oh no, not accounting. Like that sounds so boring. <clears throat> I was doing business and marketing at the time. And so I switched to accounting and that's kind of how we got to where we are now. Wow. Um, what a start to the show. I mean, I could take this conversation in a myriad of different directions. Um, it feels 
insensitive um, and somewhat um, silly to to want to dive into the subject matter of accounting now. Although you were sure. you you segued and teed it up, um, we'll go there in, in just a minute, um, and then maybe we'll circle back later on in this conversation around some things that I'd like to ask you relating to your story. Um, Boy, what a catalyst it seems as if all of that traumatic experience was for you. And yet it's so fascinating because I'm acutely aware of the fact that our traumas can be our catalysts and they can also be our, our the beginning of our end, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. It's a choice. So I guess yeah. the question that I have is, was there was there a moment that you were aware of where you were at that pivotal choice point where you were like, okay, I either you said I need to get my shit together, but like, was there was there a moment of clarity that epiphany of like there is a fork in the road here, and mm-hmm. I I can take this right turn and 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 turn all of this into um, momentum for me to have a spectacular life because you're an incredibly successful business person. You have an incredibly mm-hmm. successful podcast. I mean, you, I'm sure have so many people that look up to you and admire you in so many ways. And yet, wow, that story really, really catches you by surprise. I mean, <clears throat> so anything you want to comment on about that, that fork in the road and how to, how to take um, a traumatic event and turn it into a superpower, if we can use that term. Yeah, I think it really was like when I woke up that next morning and looking back at 15, like I should have never blamed myself, but at the mo- in the moment, I was like, I was somewhere I shouldn't have been doing something I shouldn't have been doing, lying about where I was. So it was just like a realization of like, if I hadn't have done certain things, maybe this other situation wouldn't have happened. Now, should it have happened ever in any situation? No, of course. But it was just the realization that, okay, no more partying. You don't need to be doing these things. You don't need to be hanging out with the wrong crowd and that type of, you know, mindset. Yeah, what I'm hearing is, uh, and for, of course, listeners to digest is, heed the lesson that when you take personal responsibility for your role in an experience, there's a lot of empowerment that comes along with that versus when we fall into that trap of being a victim of our circumstance and ignoring our role in it. I mean, you you took responsibility is what I'm hearing and saying like, I shouldn't have been there. I mean, you could have Mm -hmm. easily said, you know, I can't believe this happened to me. And I'm sure that you did have that conversation because it would be just to do so. But it's that personal responsibility for your role in it and saying, like, I need to make better choices that was the catalyst and springboard for your success. So, wow, what a powerful Mm -hmm. story. And thank you for getting us started with that. So I want to know more about your career and what got you to where you are. But I think I want to start if we can just get a little bit tactical and add some value on the accounting side of things, and then maybe mm-hmm. kind of dovetail into the rear view mirror a bit in terms of how you got started, maybe picking up from your 
counseling advisement that the guaranteed job you have is to be an accountant. So a lot of the people that are listening are um, in a couple of different categories. They're either employees or they are business owners um, within mm -hmm. the mortgage space. I mean, we certainly have listeners in the real estate space, et cetera. But I know that you work with a lot of mortgage people. And mm -hmm. um, I guess one of the things that I'm always curious about is what are the things that you see as a tax professional that are the great missed opportunities that people that are listening should know about where they're leaving money on the table because they're just not doing things in a manner that they can be within the tax code, within all legality. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you can get, get us started with some, some strategies and some tips there. Yeah. The biggest thing I see are business owners not structured correctly. And so, you know, I think for a lot of us, we start a business and we're like, let's just get our LLC or maybe even nothing before they get started. Um, but eventually I think a lot of people get their LLC, but when you are an LLC, you're actually taxed at the highest rates. And so at some point, it probably makes sense for most business owners, not all, but most, and especially those in real estate or mortgage to eventually become an S corporation. And that is just a tax election. You're still an LLC for all intents and purposes, but for taxes, you're an S corporation. And what that can do is save you up to $22,500 per year. And that's because as an LLC, you are taxed what's called self-employment tax. But on your tax return, it doesn't say that. It's just called other taxes. So people don't really pay too much attention to it. They're just like, oh yeah, I paid X amount in taxes. Um, but if you can switch to an S corporation, you can get out of most of that self-employment tax. And so I see that a lot. And I think a really good point to switch from LLC to S Corp is around the $40,000 of profit per year. So not revenue, but profit. So after your expenses, that's about the time it makes sense in terms of cost benefit analysis, because you will have, you know, another tax return to pay for, and you will have to be on payroll and those types of things. But at about 40,000, you're making money on that switch over. And if you're making 100,000, you're saving 15,000 in taxes every year. If you're making 140, that's where you get the 22,500 of savings. So entity structure is really, really important. And then I think a lot of it is just how you spend your money. And not writing off the things that you can tie to your business that maybe you weren't even aware of. Mm. And so yeah, like we have the that. trademark. <laughs> yeah, we have the trademark right off your life. Um, Cause that's the name of our course. And it's true. Like we love teaching business owners how to write off their life. And so, you know, turning seemingly personal expenses into business. For example, I think whenever any business owner is traveling, they can link it to business in some way, shape, or form, you know, whether they're going to a conference or they're going to a retreat or they're meeting with a colleague or networking in some way, shape, or form, like similar to our industry and in taxes, just like mortgage and real estate, anyone can be your client at some point or another. So whenever you're talking to anyone, you're probably telling them what you do. And if that person can at any point be a client, you just now had a prospect meeting, 
right? And those types of things are travel expenses. Those types of things are meals deductions. Um, and so we love helping business owners be like, okay, how are you spending your money? What are you doing? How can we get more of those expenses into your business and then save you money on taxes? In the event of an audit in the situation that you just described, what type of proof that would be required to the auditor to make that a legitimate, you know, business meeting for business development, so to speak? Like, what are they going to ask for? Yeah, they basically ask for like the who, what, where, when, why. And to capture all of that information, like I keep everything on my calendar. I live and die by my calendar. If there's not like an hour blocked off for something, um, there's a problem. But say you have a dinner blocked out on your calendar from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. So that's already the the time block. You probably have the location in there. So that's the where. And then after a meal, I'll go back into my calendar and put who was there and what we talked about and why that's important for business. So whether it was just networking, prospecting, maybe my husband and I were chatting about who's the next hire is going to be or what our marketing strategy is for the next quarter. And so really like keeping track of it in your calendar, I think is the easiest way. And then of course, keeping receipts for everything. You know, one of the, so uh, ob the obvious is you got to make sure that your calendar stays intact for years and years and years uh, in, into the past, right? Like, I mean, because some calendars have a setting where they kind of wipe themselves out after 12 months because you, you may need the access to what transpired four years ago in the event of an mm -hmm. audit. So just a footnote to that. But one of the things that I, I run into more often um, lately is loan originators and I would imagine real estate agents fall into this category too that are W-2. So their company treats them as an employee. <laughs> Therefore, um, and, and in the case of, of an originator who's either just an originator or a branch manager that might be running a, a, a net branch operation, you know, they have to have mm -hmm. money in their operating account in order for them to be able to run expenses such as that retreat or conference um, yeah. or, or, or any other types of expenses uh, through their PL. And because business has slowed down, a lot of companies have put some restrictions on that and originators are running into challenges where they're not able to write off things because they can't run them through their PL. or if they don't have a PL, they have a limitation as to what they can write off as as uh, as deductions for an employee status I've, I've often my personal story is that i've been an entrepreneur my whole life like you so i haven't been an employee since I mean, I'm 56 years old. I think the last time I was an employee, I was 25. So it's been a really long time. And like, mm -hmm. I'm so used to having this freedom to do tax deductions in the manner that you've just described. And I've often mm -hmm. even said to my clients, I'm like, hey, you know what? You need to figure out a way to have like at least an LLC on the side that has some income that you can spin into that LLC. So then you can take the write-offs because if, you're, if your company's clamping down and not allowing you to run these legitimate expenses, such as coaching with me, as an example, through mm -hmm. your P&L and you're having to pay for it post-tax, I mean, you're, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. So I know I just said a lot. Can you comment on that and, and, and maybe some creative ways for originators to be able to make sure that they have this flexibility that I'm referring to? Yeah. 
So one of my first or one of my favorite strategies with people in the mortgage industry that are W-2 is if you can run expenses, like you're saying, through a, their own P&L. And I love when we'll just say you can run marketing expenses through your P&L. And what that will do is lower your W-2 income because the income's not coming all to you. But that marketing income goes into your or your spouse's marketing company. And then you can use those that income to run other expenses through. So say, for example, your company allows you to run $5,000 a month in marketing expenses. So you send that $5,000 to you or your spouse's marketing company, and then you can use that $5,000 however you'd like for marketing or, or whatever other business expenses in that business. And now you just lowered your W-2 by $60,000 a year, 5,000 times 12. Um, so that's my favorite strategy. Well, if let me, you can let me, use it. I want to walk through that one more time because I want to, I didn't quite get that. Um, so let's use me and my wife as an example. Let's hypothetically say mm -hmm. I'm a loan originator and my wife starts her own marketing company and I spend yep. $5,000 a month on various marketing activities, including having a videographer for my reels on Instagram and boosting yep. my posts and all this kind of stuff. So what you're mm -hmm. saying is to pay or to, to have the comp the company pay rather than the consultant that's you know managing my Instagram accounts pay my marketing company is that what you're saying and then my marketing company pays a consultant how, how, mechanically how did that work I lost you there okay yeah so mortgage company pays marketing company five thousand dollars a month Marketing company then can allocate it however they would like. Maybe you spend a thousand of it on business meals because you are out networking. Maybe you spend a thousand of it on a social media manager, a thousand of it on a videographer, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's kind of how it worked mechanically. And on the back end, your W-2 from the mortgage company now just lowered by 60,000 because that money didn't come to your W-2. It went oh, through okay. the P&L. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Another way of saying that to dig a little bit deeper is that the, if I worked for a mortgage company um, and I just went to my branch manager and said, hey, look, what I would like is every month, I would like $5,000 of, of my income from funding mortgage loans to be paid to my marketing company or to this marketing company and deducted mm -hmm. from or debited from my commissions for lack of a better term. So I'm showing less income yep. and I'm diverting the income to the marketing company, whereby I have the flexibility to write off expenses associated with that. Yeah, so exactly. And now you're not subject to really high taxes on your W-2. You know, now you don't have the federal tax, the state tax, social security, Medicare. So there's a big tax savings in that. Um, and they're legitimate marketing expenses. They're all things that probably every mortgage officer is already doing. Like we mentioned, you know, promoting on social media, going out and having business meals, having a videographer, photographer, and those types of expenses. What other types of deductions do you think get missed by real estate and mortgage professionals that are, are, are easy ones to be able to justify for lack of a better term. You mentioned conferences, you mentioned marketing is there, and meals and entertainment. Is there anything else? 
Yeah. So travel, like I mentioned, vehicle deductions are a big one because even though you might think like, oh, I work in an office setting or I just work at home, you're still driving a lot for business, whether you're going to, you know, coffee with a coworker or a business lunch, a business dinner, you're driving to the airport for that travel to go to a conference. Um, you're still using your vehicle a lot. Hey, everybody. I hope that you're enjoying this conversation with Barbara Shrehan's here in the 360 experience, the remainder of this one hour and 20 minute conversation with Barbara that includes getting into retirement accounts, getting into the value of deducting home office expenses that includes the importance of knowing your numbers and running your business. The entirety of this conversation can be found in the Loan Atlas at www.theloanatlasatlas.com. In the Loan Atlas, you will find the complete version of all of my podcasts, along with an awful lot more. I encourage you to go check it out. I think you're going to be blown away. Thanks a lot for listening to today's episode of the 360 Experience.